Uh, my name's Andy. I'm one of the uh, pastoral staff here. It's great to be here. Um, Steve Jones, who's our senior pastor, sends apologies. He's at a church in Tring. Who knows where Tring is? A few of you. So Steve's at a church in Tring that relates to our family of churches this morning um, speaking. Tring should be with us next week. We've got a regional celebration here, same time. It's basically like, a, as far as we're concerned, it's like a normal Sunday. But we'll have a bunch of other people with us. So do be friendly and look out for Tring and say, Did you, was Steve any good last week? You can ask them, you know, <laughs> ask them that. Um, and I, all of that reminds us that God wants us to have a heart beyond ourselves. And that really um, is a bit of a segue into what uh, I believe we're God wants to say this morning, and, and Caroline's thing about God wants to put us in a bigger pot is another way of looking at it. There's a, there's a kind of local church-shaped pot that many of us have grown up in, and God wants to extend that. God wants us to give us a bigger pot, a kingdom pot, a pot that is his size pot that shows us that he is at work in the world, not just in the church. Now, um, so we've been in a series called Your Kingdom Come for a couple of months now, three months in fact. Um, and what I'd like to do is to see who could remember what we've done. This is the point where those people that preached go, oh, God, was it worth the effort? But this will be an interesting little test because what we're trying to do today is just trying to bring together all that God's been speaking to us about this term and try and bring it into focus and highlight what we believe God is saying to us as a, as a church. This series has not just been an accidental, kind of interesting sort of series on something. We, we, we planned this series because we felt God wanted to, to do something in us as a church. So, a little bit of a clue then. So we started off just, um, just uh, after Easter. We started off with a series that really was about the kingdom foreseen. The kingdom of God hinted at in the Old Testament. Because the kingdom of God's been something in God's heart for a long time. And it, there's hints of it as we look at the Old Testament. So who can remember any of this series then? So you've got to shout these out. King. Something about king? Well, it would be. Huh? Something about covenant? Yeah, one was about covenant. God is a covenantal king. His kingdom is a covenantal kingdom. One point to Sanjay. You've got it written in your book. That's cheating. You can't look it up out of your book. That's cheating. Freedom. That was a little bit later, but well remembered, yes. Um, just say which sound. Something about the Messianic promises. Yeah, we see in the Old Testament prophecies, we see a foretaste, a hint of what Jesus is going to be like. Something, something about Ezekiel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that, yeah. Anyone else? Pardon? The King of the Father. Yes, so. These were actually the four or five, the, the last one's a bit of a segue into the next series, but we talked about a created kingdom. Grace spoke to us, if you remember, about God is the creator king. Who was around for that? Good. Um, someone spoke to us about a covenantal kingdom. I think it was Lois. That was it, yes, Lois. Um, um, someone spoke to us about a kingdom, a community kingdom. It's a bit of a test, actually. Who was that? Steve? Yeah, yeah. I do know, actually. A coming kingdom. That was Andy, wasn't it? Yeah. And then we, then some of you remember when Steve spoke at the beginning of the next, next bit, we had kind of two series, little link thing. He spoke about each of us being like a shelter. Do you remember this? We'll come back to this in a moment, but each of us being like a shelter. And then we moved on to another series that, now this series had two themes interwoven. One was about your kingdom come in me. So there were three things we did on this. Who remembers any of these? 
obedience. That was because it was last week. You've got a short memory. <laughs> Who else? Generosity. Radical, we talk about radical generosity, radical obedience, and something else. Radical freedom. That God wants to do a freedom in us. And you can start to see, I think, why we chose this series image. There's something that God does in us that overflows around us. We can't just go out and do good works, but somehow God's life overflows from us as we allow the kingdom of God to come in us. And that led us then to three aspects of the overflow of God's life in the world around us. Any of these? Hmm? Nations? Culture? And our city, that was the last one. So that's just a bit of a reminder. And what I want to try and do this morning is to just remind us of one or two things from that, try and pull it together and ask us really, okay, God, what has God done in us? What has God done in each of us this term? Most of you, has anyone been here for all of those Sundays? No. There we are. One. Jez, well done. I think we should get a prize for Jez. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so most of us have got bits of this. And, and actually, most of us remember different bits because, you know, God does different things in our hearts. We don't all remember the same bits. So um, next picture. Uh, you know, as kingdom people, we're supposed to have an overflowing life. That's why this picture of a bucket just overflowing randomly uh, into the you know, lives of people around it. Uh, who knows where this phrase is from? Blessed to be a blessing. Hmm? Abraham, yeah. It's God's call to Abraham. And we sometimes think that God, we sometimes wrongly think that God only wants to bless the ch- his own people, the church. But actually, the story all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God wants to bless the nations through his people. Our lives are supposed to be overflowing. We are blessed. We are a blessed people. That's great. It's fantastic to live in the blessing of God. But that's supposed to be so that we overflow to others. And uh, this is this passage, again, that Steve referred to. We're going to look at quite a few passages just now, just for a few minutes, just to get a picture of what God is saying. And uh, it's all on the screen, so don't worry if you, don't worry if you haven't got a Bible with you. Uh, and so this one is a, is a passage that Steve read to us a couple of months ago. He said, see, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. This is a picture of the coming king, the King Jesus. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge, refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert uh, and the shadow of a great rock in the thirsty land. There's a picture here of each of us not living in a place of shelter but being a place of shelter for others that was the point that Steve made all those weeks ago that's a picture of God wanting our lives to be overflowing and generous and for others not self-centered lives Uh, we come back so coming back to this thing of blessed to be a blessing uh, God said to Abraham I will make you into a great nation I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing Go on a little bit. And all, in order that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth. We, we too often think that God just blesses his people and everyone else is kind of somehow beyond God's blessing. God wants to bless us and for us to live in covenant relationship with him. In order that our lives overflow and be a blessing to others. Just in case we thought that, think that is for Abraham and not for us In Galatians 3, talking about this passage, it says, we, that's us, are heirs 
of Abraham in God's promise and calling. We sort of, we're Abraham's successors in God's promises. We have the same mandate. And Galatians 3 again says that the commentary on this passage says, it's about the gospel. God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. There's something about the gospel, the life of the power and the message of God that is supposed to overflow to us, to a world, through us, to a world around us. And I put this thing about this 2 Corinthians verse on there as well because we commented on, as someone said, we commented on finance during this series. You know, finance isn't, is, is important. Finance is an indicator of, of how we're living generously. And this, this passage in 2 Corinthians 8 says, the grace of God has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. It's talking in the passage about finance, but it's more. There's something about the grace of God flowing into our lives that is supposed to just overflow in a generous, uncontrollable, kind of messy kind of way. Um, God wants us to be an overflowing, generous people. And our financial giving is an indicator of the generosity of our lives. I'm trying to paint a picture of the God's word in the Old Testament here. I know I'm moving quite fast, but I'm trying to paint a picture. This is not just one verse in the Old Testament. This is a theme all the way through the Bible that God wants us to be an overflowing people. Psalm 67 puts this quite poetically. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations, that's all the nations, be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. It starts with God, be gracious to us, bless us. But it's for the nations, it's for all the peoples of the earth. So there's a picture starting to form, I trust, that God wants us to be an overflowing bucket, a people that are blessed to bless others. Um, Who recognizes this castle? This is an icon of British culture, this castle. Does, does, Does this help? This is a bit of a British joke, I'm afraid. For those of you who aren't British, um, this is a Monty Python film. Um, that's British comedians ask us later. Um, the reason I wanted to put it out there is, is to say the castle... Sometimes we see the church a bit like a castle that we escape to. And it's a safe place. And we, we kind of escape from the world and all the nasty things that go on in the world. And I want to say to you that that idea of the church is a safe fortress, is, is just wrong. <laughs> it's not in line with what we've just been talking about from the scriptures. Uh, this was the mindset of some parts of the church. When I grew up, this was the mindset of some parts of the church, that church was a place to escape to um, from a nasty materialistic world. Um, and that's why I've spent time looking at what the Bible says, because I believe God wants us to live as a generous people looking for the blessing of others. That's kingdom living. God doesn't use, the Bible doesn't use this picture of a castle, but it uses another, another picture which we're going to talk about. This picture, so this is a slightly cheesy picture. It was the best one I could find. But what does this remind us of, this picture? Another, there's a picture in the Bible of another building that is about the people of God. It's the city of God in Revelation, yes. Ezekiel 47. There's pictures. The particular one I had in mind was Ezekiel 47, which is a picture of the temple of God. Um, The temple was often seen as a place of safety and refuge and all those things we've just talked about. But in this picture, 
God says, my presence will flow out of the temple to the nations and it will touch the nations. And we're just going to read that passage together. Let me find my bit of paper. So Ezekiel 47, if you have a Bible, you feel free to turn to it. I'm just going to read it. It's a picture, so uh, catch the imagery here. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold. He brought me out by way of the north gate. It doesn't matter too much. North, south, east, it gets a bit of a muddle here. But he led me out to the outside of the outer gate. And behold, water was trickling out on the south side, going eastward with a measuring line in his hand. The man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. And it was ankle deep. And he measured a thousand. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water. And it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. This picture of the river getting deeper, deeper. Um, I'm not a great swimmer. When, swimmer. Whenever I read this picture, I start to feel slightly nervous at this point because it's getting the water's coming up to sort of the point where I think you're losing control, and that's the point of the story, right? Um, he goes on and said, "Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in. A river that could not be passed through." And he said, son of man, have you seen this? He led me back to the bank. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When, when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms there will live. And there will be many fish. Uh, just jumping down to verse 12. On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. I love that picture. It's a, it's a prophetic visionary dream that God has given the author, the prophet Ezekiel. And it's a picture of God's kingdom Going out, God's kingdom is about the temple. It is about a place of safety and intimacy for the people of God. But it's more, more, more than that. It flows out to the nations. It flows out. It touches all peoples, all cultures. Where the kingdom of God goes out, salt water becomes fresh. And the trees bear fruit in and out of season. It's a wonderful picture of fruitfulness and impact of the kingdom of God. And I want to say to you this morning, that, that picture of the, what I've called here the Holy River touching people where, wherever it goes, that's a much better picture for us than a castle that we hide in church. It matters that we, we're part of the people of God and we find safety in God, but it matters too that we're a people that live expansively, live to bless other, others, live to see the overflow of our lives. It's really just different metaphors looking at the same thing, but God wants us to be an overflowing people. Let me just get a little bit more specific, a little bit less abstract, and I want to say three things. Firstly, this overflow, this kingdom life, and this is really trying to sum up stuff we've said this term, this kingdom life, this overflow, is supposed to be everywhere. It's not just somehow in Oxford or in the house we live in or something. Acts 1.8 famously says, Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Those are different places. We might say Oxford, Oxfordshire, UK and the ends of the earth. That's a picture. We, there's a picture of God's people being his witnesses through the empowering of the Holy Spirit 
um, wherever they find themselves. So this kingdom overflow is supposed to be everywhere. We talk, we've talked at times about wanting a church community for every bus route in the city. That kind of encapsulates it for us. There's something about everyone in the city having, an, having access to a Christian community, having access to the life of God, to people that know God and want to bless others. Um, John Wesley, famous, said, The world is my parish. Um, he was breaking out of a mindset of his day that the churches were only supposed to deal with their parish. You know, there was, the country was divided up, still is divided up, into thousands of parishes. And John Wesley said, no, the world is my parish. I'm going anywhere. I'm going everywhere. I'm going where God takes me. Church, the world is our parish. Wherever you find yourselves, do the work of God. Whether you travel for work, um, do the work of God. Whether you find yourself a forced migrant, do the work of God where you find yourself. There's no place where you can't serve God. God's kingdom is everywhere. That's one of the things we've learned this year. It's everywhere, this overflow, this overflowing kingdom. The second thing we've learned, who remembers Steve little, Steve's little triangle a few weeks ago? Yeah? Uh, Steve's little triangle was trying to look at the, 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 the results of the fall of man and said that the fall put things wrong between man and God, between man and mankind. You know, we, we, there's been... Um, there's a need for reconciliation between mankind. And it put things wrong with the world because we were put out of sorts with our God-given place in the world. And the, 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 call, the call of mission is to put things right with God and put things right with man and to put things right in the world. And we call that evangelism, social action, cultural renewal. Um, to put that a little bit more simply, everything. It all matters. You know, it's everywhere, but it's also Everything. It's not just me and Jesus, it's me and Jesus, in fact, better us and Jesus and the world. It's all of that matters. God is calling us to overflow into everything. One example, last year we gathered um, Christians across the city who work in health and social care. Some of you will be aware of this. We gathered Christians working in that sector in the city. Afterwards, we reckoned we gathered about 10% of the evangelical Christians um, working in health and social care in the city. I think 10% is a big enough number to start making a difference. You know, and that's our heart, that's our vision for that, is that everything matters. Health and social care, for example, matters. Fostering, we've just been taught, fostering and adoption matters to God. There's a whole bunch of things that matter to God. It all matters to God. And our, our mandate as God's people is, you know, we can change the world. It's not overly egotistical or something to say we can. In fact, we're called to change the world. That's our call as the people of God, is to change the world as we seek his kingdom. His kingdom starts with us, putting things right with us and God, but then it goes a lot, lot further. And we're called to be kingdom people as we overflow into everything. And the third thing I wanted to say on this is for, it's everywhere, it's into everything. And thirdly, it's for everyone. It's for every one of us in this room. Not one of you... Um, is meant to be a spectator in this work of God. Uh, there's a picture we often use of this guy. This is a guy mending nets. Because um, fishing nets that have got holes in are not much good, are they? They don't really... Well, of course they got holes, but unplanned. <laughs> you have to watch your words with Alaran. You know. <laughs> the wrong holes. Yes, the wrong holes. Broken bits. <laughs> um, there's a verse in Ephesians 4 where it says, 
Christ gave church leaders, church leadership, to equip his people for works of service. To equip his people for works of service. The point of that verse is, it's not all somehow about us church leaders doing everything. It's about everyone, all of us, doing this stuff. Our job is an equipping job. And the word that's used there in the Bible for equip is also used, it's translated differently, but it's used in another part of the the New Testament, of mending nets. That's why I put this picture up. And I think it's a really great picture. We're supposed to be together a fishing net, doing God's work in the world. Of course, some of us are a bit broken and there's stuff that doesn't work very well. And our, our job as leadership and as church is to try and help get those things working properly. But it's, it's so that the net works. There's no point in having a fishing net and having it hung on the wall. It's a bit of a waste of time. God wants to mend nets. God wants us all to be fixed so we work if i can put it in those terms there's a mending of nets that happens in the church but that's for purpose it's for the world it's for fishing this is for everyone we all get to be play a part in this great fishing net of god so this mandate uh, of god which we've been looking at this term is for everyone it affects everywhere we go and it's about everything in the world the world belongs to God. God's kingdom is not just about the church. God's kingdom is about the whole of creation. That's why we started with creation all those weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I believe there's a call-up this morning to us. I've just tried to give a bit of a recap there of what we've, what we've been doing this time. There's a call-up. Some of you will remember this famous um, poster in the war. <laughs> Britons, God wants you. Similar posters, I'm sure, went out around the other nations to call them up to service in this season but this morning there's a call up to us Um, I was reminded of a prophetic word someone brought many years ago saying that God wants passengers to become crew and crew to become officers there's a call up to to stop simply enjoying the ride in church but to play your part in God's kingdom there's a call up church to be kingdom people. A call to see your life from God's perspective, this kind of perspective, a perspective that your life is about overflowing and blessing and, and playing your part. We sang at the beginning, let's, we refuse to waste our lives. That's the, there's a call up to that kind of commitment to refuse to waste our lives. There's a call to live generously. There's a call to get in that river, which is a bit scary because you kind of lose control a little bit, but there's a call to get in the river rather than hide somewhere in a castle. And there's a call to allow yourself to be mended from past hurts, from disappointments, from failures, from whatever's gone wrong. God wants to mend you so that you can play your part as part of his glorious purposes. So there's a call this morning to respond to God.